Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.14 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 24th of November, 2021, the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. And a few words for those people that listen to this podcast that are not United States citizens or live in the United States. Um, If you get a chance, you might want to consider celebrating Thanksgiving along with the Americans. Why? Well, because it is a good day to give thanks. It really is, even if it's not your holiday. It does not matter. You know, every day is probably a really good day to give thanks to, you know, your about your family, you know, your, the blessings that you do have. If you, you know, you, you got to try to locate those blessings too, you know. It's not, it's not always easy. You know, you may not feel blessed. You may not think that you have something to be thankful for, but you do. <clears throat> if you can fog a fucking mirror... You got something to be thankful for. I'm, I'm telling you, because where there is life, there is hope. My father always told me that. I said, no matter how bad shit gets, if you can fog a mirror, there's a way out of it. So, you know, you don't have to eat a turkey like we do. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. But you might consider gathering with friends and family and just sitting down with them and tell them, you know, thanks for being here for me. They're, uh, they're more important than anybody can really possibly imagine. And we get, we get really complacent about that kind of shit. And there's always, there's always, you know, there's always a good day to be thankful for something. And for us in the United States, it is Thanksgiving. Now on to the stuff that's going on today, because man, dude, all I can say is, I said, Oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. It looks like, I got Samson Moe over here in in my uh, Twitter feed saying that he just got messages asking for another $25 million allocation of the Bitcoin bond. Formal specs not yet defined. Probably nothing. You know, probably nothing. Just, you know, it looks like this shit's already going to be oversubscribed to the point that even before this stuff actually gets the trigger pulled on it. People are already asking for a, tw- a, a, a $25 million further allocation into the Bitcoin bond. Uh, so I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. But I got this too. This is from Brett Hagler. At Brett Hagler, H-A-G-L-E-R. It's all one word. Excited to share a new story charity community in El Zante, El Salvador, will offer the first ever Bitcoin-based mortgage program. That's right, a mortgage program. We're partnering with unbanked families who need life-changing home ownership, credit worthiness, and prove a simpler way to do financing. And then they tag at Bitcoin Beach. He goes on. Why? The traditional outdated financial system shuts out low-income unbanked families. And some of the problems, number one, 
Traditional loans require in-person payments collection and banked credit history, raising costs and interest rates to insane levels. 30% to 100% APRs are common. Let me just pause in this Twitter thread to say, holy shit, you've got to pay in person? I mean, really, you got to pay in person. Means you got to bring cash to a location. I don't know, man. That seems sketch as fuck to me. But dude, and the and these interest rates. If Brett is not lying about these interest rates, could you imagine a thirty percent APR, much less a hundred percent? I mean, even at fifteen, you know, it's pretty it's pretty brutal with today's kind of you know rates of inflation. But let's let's continue on manual tracking. Pen, paper, Excel sheets of mortgage payments is slow, has human error, and lacks transparency. And number three, because of the outdated manual nature, economics don't work for longer-term mortgages, making homes unaffordable for the families we serve. And then he's got a picture of current living conditions, and it's it's a shanty, so just go with it. <clears throat> New story, Charity will make it possible to receive digital mortgage payments with or made with Bitcoin slash Lightning Network, removing numerous offline inefficiencies in person, monthly collection, manual tracking, and ambiguous property rights. The advantages of Bitcoin-based digital mortgages, interest rates drastically reduced, transparent credit history, loan terms extended, making cost affordable, significant time savings, Philanthropy needed to build a home decreases. From this catalytic project, we combine philanthropy with a microloan to each family. For a $10,000 home in El Zante, 50% loan that families pay back over five years, 50% of it is philanthropy provided as a subsidy to those families. Included is electricity, sewage, bathroom, and clean water. So how can you partner with New Story Charity today? Fund a home, $10,000 each. Build a street, $100,000. Seems a little expensive to me, but whatever. Fund the technology plus the team. Fund land for the community in El Zante. DM Brett Hagler if if you would like to partner with them and donate in Bitcoin. So that is at New Story Charity, all one word, at New Story Charity. And your uh, your contact is Brett Hagler at Brett Hagler B R E T T H A G L E R. Have I vetted this guy? No, I have not. <clears throat> have I vetted New Story Charity? No, I have not. You must do your own research. Okay, we're getting we are fast becoming into or coming into a situation where where nobody can hold each other's hands on this kind of shit. It's moving too rapidly. If you are interested in Brett Hagler and what Brett is doing, then seek Brett Hagler out and ask questions, ask for data, ask for, I don't know, whatever it is you got to ask for to make sure that you're not just going to throw money into some kind of scam. And Brett, if you're listening, and I know you're not, but if you are listening, I'm not trying to insult you here. I'm just saying that we live in a world where there are scammers. And unless we really know people very, very, very well, it's very hard to pick out who really wants to do good and who really wants to do evil. So if somebody contacts you about this and asks for some, you know, how, you know, to accreditate yourself, if that's even a word, then please do so. Okay. Because I, I personally think that this is a good idea. 
It's just, you got to vet and I can't find anything else, but I figured I'd let you guys know about it because there are so many people in the world that really do need this kind of help. And, uh, and I'm hoping that Brett and new story is, is going to do the, the right thing here. Now on to consensus. <clears throat> yep. Uh, future of money, future of banking. Consensus suddenly bars Iranian students from Ethereum coding class. In case you're wondering, Consensus is the consortium behind Ethereum, and they basically told Iranian students that they can't do something. Yeah, Bitcoin fixes this. Anna Betakova is going to tell us more about it from Coindesk. Consensus, the Ethereum software powerhouse, removed about 50 Iranian students from its online programming course in a move that highlights the gray areas in sanctions law facing the cryptocurrency industry. The students were notified on November the 13th in an email from Consensus Academy, an educational branch of the Brooklyn, New York-based company. While they already finished most of their coursework, the suspension means that students won't receive certificates of completion. You fucking assholes. Quote, we are saddened to have to tell you that effective immediately, we are suspending your enrollment in Consensus Academy and your access to the platform. Read the email, which two students separately shared with Coindesk, or read the email. <clears throat> it was sent at 1.30 local time a.m. in Iran. Quote, a recent review of our records showed that you indicated that you are located in a country that we are prohibited from providing goods or services to under U.S. law. And we are saddened to have to tell you that effective immediately we're suspending your enrollment. Uh, a recent review of our records show that you indicated, oh, they actually copied the, the sorry, uh, Coindesk copied uh, the paragraph twice. Editors, guys, editors. The move represents an abrupt turnabout for consensus, which had offered a $985 course to Iranian students for free and in the past talked openly about its scholarships for Iranian women. It's unclear what triggered the company's drastic change, of course. <clears throat> uh, change, yeah, change, of course. Uh, Elo Jimenez, Consensus Global Public Relations Lead, would only say, quote, Consensus is committed to building the digital economy of tomorrow while excluding everybody that we don't like. Oh, I'm sorry, I've read that wrong. And also to comply with U.S. law in all its facets. That commitment is reflected in our terms of service. Shall we pause? And you were wondering why Bitcoin maximalists are so fucking salty about Ethereum and all the rest of this bullshit. Because all it is is a mirror image of the exact same system we have today. One of exclusion, one of non-inclusivity, and one of the ability to just change something at a whim. Bitcoin fixes this because I can't tell you that you can't do something. I can't tell Brett from a new story <clears throat> that he can't use Bitcoin to do his loans. I can't do that. I will never be able to do that and neither will you. And if we did, if we were able to do that, Bitcoin fails. Ethereum fails right here, right now. If you don't understand why, you don't need to be listening to this show. They basically pulled the plug at the very end of a whole bunch of work for these Iranian students because they were in Iran because Ethereum wants to comply with U.S. standards. What does that tell you? That's, you need, to, you need to sit back and think about that. If you're holding a bag of Ethereum, 
I would cut loose of that shit just for ethical and moral reasons, much less the fact that you're holding a bag of crap. The switch underscores the latest tension between sanctions, a policy tool to isolate rogue regimes and blockchains, decentralized networks unconstrained by geographic borders. While sending money from the U.S. to Iran is clearly prohibited, simply teaching citizens of a sanctioned country to use censorship-resistant technology is a more ambiguous matter. The switch underscores the latent tension between sanctions. Oh my God, they copied it again. Holy shit, dude. The suspensions come two months after Ethereum developer Virgil Griffith pleaded guilty to a conspiracy charge in a sanctions case brought by the U.S. over a speech he gave at a conference in North Korea. Griffith was previously expected to fight the charge in court. <clears throat> long term or long or whatever, consensus has been raising money over the course of 2021. The VC backed entity got a fresh $65 million in April and 200 million in November. While mainstream finance heavyweights such as MasterCard, HSBC and UBS among the investors, whatever the reason for consensus Academy's decision, it left the students who lost access to the course material a few weeks before the program scheduled ending on December the 1st, frustrated and bewildered quote, we are not entering a genuinely new world, but we are just witnessing a transition of our old institutional relationships, which are the relations of inequality and power to just brand new forms of institutions. One of the students, Solomon Sedgi, a researcher at the College of Dublin in Ireland, wrote in an emotional blog post. Recent college graduate Mohammed Hossein Asmazadeh sorry, <laughs> told Coindesk that being abruptly cut off from Consensus Academy felt like a, better, a bitter deja vu. Websites like Coursera and GitHub have previously restricted access for users from Iran. Quote, especially when Donald Trump was president, Iranians couldn't use these sites. We can't access any education sites with Iranian IP or nationality. When asked whether, as a general matter, sanctions, uh, sanctions bar U.S. companies from teaching blockchain programming to Iranians, a Treasury Department spokesperson said, this isn't something answered by a simple yes or no. We really <clears throat> need to have an extensive compliance discussion with the company itself in order to make that kind of assessment, said the spokesperson Morgan Finkelstein, declining to comment any further. Sanctions experts interviewed by Coindesk gave differing opinions on the risk of violating sanctions for U.S. companies that provide education to Iranians and the potential severity of any penalties. While education is normally not subject to the sanctions the U.S. imposed on Iran, there are some intricate caveats, said Benjamin Hutton counsel at the law firm Buckley LLP. For example, it's only legal to provide learning materials that are a complete product available in full from the start. That means that it would probably be permitted to export books, pre-recorded courses or lectures, but not teach a live lecture, for example, via Zoom, because it would not be fully in existence at the time of the sale, Hutton said. <clears throat> it's easier with traditional learning formats when to study with an American teacher, one needs to go through the immigration process and effectively get approved as a foreign student by the U.S., Hutton said. Accredited academic institutions like universities can provide remote courses to Iranian students if those students previously had a U.S. student visa and the coursework was part of regular degree studies, Hutton said. <clears throat> If a company can keep its crypto educational activities within the above constraints, there should be relatively low risk in doing so, he said. If not, the consequences can be either a significant monetary penalty or even criminal charges for a willful violation, Hutton said. 
Given the exemption under sanctions law for informational materials, the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, has not been in the habit <clears throat> of publicly penalizing companies providing education or educational materials to Iran, and it certainly has not imposed severe penalties in this sphere, Hutton said. However, the agency has discretion to make the penalty fit the circumstances, and thus, to the extent that the information or education could be or is used to violate or evade sanctions, the penalties could be more severe. Daniel Tenenbaum, a former OFAC officer and partner at the Oliver Wyman consulting firm, told Coindesk that the language of sanctions laws can be confusing to people who don't regularly deal with them, and confusion about potential noncompliance can force businesses to abandon what could potentially be lawful activities. Yeah, that's the whole point they're written that way, dude. Although the case of Virgil Griffith apparently scared people in the industry, Tenenbaum said he believes that spreading knowledge about blockchain technology and digital assets is not damaging, but helping what the U.S. is trying to achieve in Iran. You know, <clears throat> this is all just bullshit. I mean, it's like, it, at, at this point, Anna is going off into the weeds about how it's just so scary dealing with sanctions and in a way that sort of gives credence to why Ethereum uh, did what they did or the consensus rather, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it one fucking bit. And here's why, you know, look to start nine labs, just start looking at what, at what they're building. And then ask yourself when you, when you finally wrap your head around what it is they're building, start asking yourself the question, can I produce an educational app that is not linked to my name and offers a complete education in, I don't know, subject X, Y, and Z, and maybe it could be like, you know, how to build on Bitcoin or something like that, uh, without, without any impediment whatsoever, without anybody being able to say, hey, you got to shut this down because U.S. sanctions and say, I don't know what you're talking about, and have that app just fully featured and somehow or another be able to, to draw its materials from across the web. I don't know. There's, there's ways to do this, but this is a chicken shit outfit. And I'm talking about consensus and Anna's given them cover by all this stuff about how sanctions are so confusing. And so this, and so that, well, if they're so confusing Anna, then just don't listen to them and do something that is completely different where, wherein that the thing that you release lives and breathes and walks around all by itself. And that anybody at any time in any place in the world can get access to it if they so choose. All right. That's, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not hard, but I am saying that it's worthy because if you think this is going to stop, you're totally fooling yourself. Dollar debt, <clears throat> USD denominated rather debt is now being issued to buy Bitcoin at nation state level. Now, this is going to go in more into the El Salvador Bitcoin bond thing. This is from Bitcoin Magazine, but it's I think it's worth it so that we can start clarifying what this thing is. So the more that I can get uh, until I feel clear on what the hell's going on with the Bitcoin bonds, I'm going to be bringing you every scrap that I can find on Bitcoin bond in El Salvador. So let's do this one from Dylan LeClaire and Sam Rule from Bitcoin Magazine. Over the weekend, a President of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, and Blockstream announced the issuing of $1 billion U.S. Bitcoin bond on the Liquid Network. This comes directly after the International Monetary Fund announced last week that, for the moment, it is not discussing a possible financial agreement with the Salvadoran government, referring to the potential $1.3 billion loan agreement. 
the $1 billion Bitcoin bond will be split 50-50 for buying Bitcoin and building out energy and Bitcoin mining infrastructure. The bond's duration is 10 years, paying 6.5% initially with additional dividends paid out to bondholders from Bitcoin holding liquidations after a five-year lockup period. The initial bonds will be issued in 2022, with Blockstream highlighting that it can easily accept investments as small as $100. Let me repeat that. Blockstream is highlighting that it can easily accept investments as small as $100. What does that mean? That means you don't have to be an accredited investor to get into this. Just saying. With U.S.-denominated government junk bond debt now yielding over 13% in the market, El Salvador has ventured into a creative alternative to raise money at lower costs while directly betting on Bitcoin's upside over the next five years. Without an agreement with the IMF, the government's main alternative would be to issue more junk bond debt that has already been selling off in distressed territory all year long. When backed into a financial quarter, Bukele and El Salvador have doubled down on Bitcoin. We've now seen the issuance of cheap U.S. dollar-denominated debt to directly buy Bitcoin at the nation-state level. This is the same playbook that we've witnessed with MicroStrategy, Marathon Digital Holdings, and now El Salvador. Many of the previous debt issuance strategies that have offered investors Bitcoin exposure have been oversubscribed almost immediately. We'll see what the demand looks like as the bonds are rolled out. It may be an appealing option to emerging market fixed income allocations that want Bitcoin exposure. If the full $1 billion is satisfied, that would take an estimated 8,929 Bitcoin at today's prices off of the market for five straight years. Think about that. That's a lot of Bitcoin just now locked up in ice for five years. Will it be oversubscribed? I don't know, but we just heard Matt Sampson Moe at the very beginning of the show talk about that he's already getting messages about a further $25 million allocation for this exact instrument. This is probably something. I was about to say probably nothing, but that's bullshit. This is probably something, and, and you would do yourself a favor to look deeply into what's going on here while in contrast, we have this one from Azushan Sun from Cointelegraph. Bank of England sees CBDCs as a revolution for the future of money <clears throat> in an event streamed live on Wednesday. Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey and Deputy Governor for Financial Stability Sir John Cunliffe answered questions from lawmakers from the Economic Affairs Committee when asked about the growth of innovation surrounding digital currencies in the country, Sir Cunliffe gave the following comment, quote, it's quite difficult to predict how innovators will take money and actually use money going forward. <laughs> Jesus, really? It's, it's a fucking mystery to you, huh? I don't know. I'd probably go buy food with it or something. Oh, whatever. But we are starting to see programmable money being used in the crypto world. And I would expect we would see a similar revolution in the functionality of money driven by technology, end quote. The Bank of England is currently exploring options to implement a digital pound CBDC for retail payments. A task force behind the CBDC is also investigating the use of a digital pound for distributing payrolls, pensions, etc. 
In supporting the initiative, Sir Cunliffe cites the rapidly declining use of cash in the United Kingdom in recent years, which was greatly accelerated by the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic that discouraged physical contact in transactions. <gasps> you think that might have been part of the plan? Well, I don't know, man, whatever. An estimated 30% of transactions in the country now occur via e-commerce. When asked about the potential demand of a digital pound, Sir Cunliffe said, quote, we've modeled a very prudent assumption, which is that basically 20% of household and corporate transactional deposits based in the banking system can move out of the banking system and into central bank digital money. Let's, let's pause again. They're talking about the evisceration of retail banking on the street and a complete conversion of those businesses into <clears throat> and being or being folded into the central bank of various countries. Now let's take that to its let's take that to its conclusion. Central banks will then be folded into a centralized authority. The Fed, Bank of England, Bank of Japan, all of them, all of them, all of them will suffer the same fate that they are trying to put on retail banking right now. And it will end up being one world bank. If we let it happen, we're all slaves and we brought it on ourselves and we deserve every single thing that falls out of it. Let's continue. Nevertheless, Sir Cunliffe admitted that the current state of crypto affairs could potentially threaten financial stability within the country. The market cap on cryptocurrencies has surged to $2.6 trillion in a very short time, with an estimated 95% of digital assets being unbanked and 5% consisting of stablecoins. On the opposite side of the Atlantic, the United States has less of a positive outlook, saying that regulated stablecoins designed by the private sector make CBDCs redundant. So, that's an interesting take right there. Will, will the United States, will we find ourselves in a combat stance against CBDCs around the world using stable coins? It seems like a very, very weak instrument to do battle with, which is why I don't give a shit about stable coins. I just worry my ass about Bitcoin. <clears throat> and Morgan Stanley does too. Morgan Stanley funds adding to Bitcoin exposure SEC filings show Bitcoin magazines, Nick W has it <clears throat> in new filings with the U S securities and exchange commission banking giant Morgan Stanley has revealed some of its funds added Bitcoin exposure in Q3 for the period ending September 30th, Morgan Stanley's growth portfolio fund, for example, added 1.5 million shares of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Similarly, its Insight Fund added nearly 600,000 shares over the period. <clears throat> Other Morgan Stanley funds added exposure as well, suggesting that Morgan Stanley fund managers are becoming more comfortable adding Bitcoin to their portfolios. The SEC filings were first highlighted by the Twitter account Macroscope, the releases come at a time when Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman has been more outspoken about Bitcoin and other crypto investments, stating in October that he didn't think that crypto is a fad. The comments suggest a new openness to crypto assets, though they demonstrate that Gorman is far from educated on how Bitcoin alone provides the foundation for a decentralized alternative to today's government-controlled financial systems. Traded on the OTCQX market since 2013, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust allows institutional and high net worth investors to gain exposure to Bitcoin, though there is a holding period of 12 months for the shares. The filing is also notable as per Barron's, the GBTC offering is struggling of late, 
As noted by the report, Bitcoin has outperformed the fund so far in 2021 at a time when GBTC has faced competition from new Bitcoin futures ETFs now available to institutional investors. Yeah, the landscape is changing quite a bit right in front of our eyes and we need to watch it. But uh, Morgan Stanley adding GBTC is, you know, it's bullish for Bitcoin. It's not, they're not actually buying Bitcoin though. Be aware of that's the GB. The GBTC Bitcoin Trust is not an instrument that uh, allows holding of Bitcoin. It is a paper derivative product. It tracks the Bitcoin price. Yes, they have to have Bitcoin in the coffers, but you don't get to hold those keys. What you get is an IOU that hopefully, in your case, appreciates in price, which is why it's a price tracker, but you don't get the BTC. In either event, I still think that this is all pretty bullish for Bitcoin, but, you know, again, we'll have to see because this, what with Bitcoin futures and GBTC and all these instruments that are coming online, and I'm including the, the, the El Salvador Bitcoin bonds in this, this is all a double-edged sword and it can cut both ways. So be very, very careful about how you go and start looking at these things because they could come back to bite you right in the ass. Let's run the numbers. CB or CB, CNBC futures and commodities showing West Texas intermediate down a quarter of a point to $78 and 31 cents. Brent North Sea, likewise, down a quarter of a point to $82.07. Natural gas, however, swinging for the fences at 2.11% to the upside, coming in at $5.07 per thousand cubic feet. Uh, gasoline, $2.31 after a 0.86% slide to the downside. Gold is up 0.1% at $1,785. Silver is up 0.09. Platinum up 0.8. Copper up 0.3 and palladium up scant at 0.04% to the upside. Agricultures are mixed. Uh, we've got the winner as coffee, 2.06% to the upside. Cotton coming in right behind at a quarter of a point to the upside. Biggest loser today is going to be chocolate, 2.5% to the downside on that one. Dow is down a quarter of a point. S&P futures down 0.08. NASDAQ futures down 0.17. S&P mini down 0.3. So real money banging at your door at $56,637. 291,000 transactions committed in the last 24 hours. That's over 12,000 transactions on average per hour with over 1 million BTC being sent in the last 24 hours. That's 43,228 BTC every hour on the hour being sent with an average transaction value of 3.5 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.013 BTC or 739 bucks, essentially what it was yesterday. Block times are low at nine minutes and 21 seconds with 0.018 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis basis and 13 and a half BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. And with a 3.66% uptick in hash rate, we are back up to 162.88 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator got trashed. Dogecoin at 21 and a half United States pennies. Now 3,500 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear we have a $1.07 trillion market cap, which is sadly only 9.16% 
of gold's entire market cap in, we now can only get 31.8 or actually, yeah, 31.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin of which there are 18,882,135.25 BTC in circulation. 3,258 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $184.5 million, being run over 17,847 nodes and hosting 80,088 channels that we can see. 73.8% of all of that is being run over Tor. So there are 11,069 Tor nodes that we know about and hosting 2,406.47 of the total BTC locked up in the Lightning Network. And that's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. We'll start this one with Zayun Sun, Cointelegraph, eToro delisting Cardano by 2022 for U.S. users due to regulatory concerns. Hmm, Cardano, but Hoskinson is not happy about that. In a statement released to customers on Tuesday, Israeli cryptocurrency exchange eToro announced that it would delist Cardano, otherwise known as ADA, and Tron. Holy shit. <laughs> Cardano and Tron are being delisted from eToro for United States customers and will happen by the end of the year. After December 31st, U.S. users will no longer be able to open new positions in the tokens, nor stake ADA or, or well, ADA or Tron. In addition, wallets will be effectively in withdraw-only mode until the first quarter 22, when selling will also become limited. In making the decision, eToro cited regulatory concerns surrounding both assets. The move came as a surprise to some, as, as ADA has not been traditionally associated with regulatory troubles. In context, tokens like Ripple, whose creators are currently engaged in an ongoing lawsuit with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, as well as Monero, which is a privacy coin that some fear is easily abused for illicit purposes, are facing the brunt of regulatory scrutiny in the cryptocurrency industry. Cardano experienced a rapid price increase this year and currently ranks among the top 10 cryptocurrencies by market capitalization. During the prior quarter, Charles Hoskinson, Cardano's founder, announced a partnership with blockchain analytics provider Confirm to comply with regulatory frameworks such as AML directives. The move was panned by some ADA supporters who wanted the project to take on a more decentralized nature. Yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen, dude. Firms operating in the blockchain industry often receive intense pressure from regulators when it comes to delisting coins or pulling the plug on certain services. In September, Coinbase abandoned its crypto lending platform plans after the SEC threatened to sue the company. For now, however, the rise of decentralized exchanges and decentralized finance protocols have provided popular alternatives for those looking to legally bypass such crackdowns. Oh, who gives a shit? The good news here is that two shit coins are being delisted from eToro. Okay, I get it. Oh, you shouldn't be all happy about it. Yeah, I should. You know why? Because they're shit coins and they're doing exactly what I predicted shit coins would be doing for Bitcoin forever. And that is acting as a blade of armor. That's right. They're going to take the brunt of all the bullshit. And when they're finally out of ammunition and they're finally out of energy and they've destroyed just about three quarters of the entire crypto industry, guess what's still standing? And that's going to be Bitcoin. And they will have the only energy that the regulators across the globe will have left is to take down the still yet low hanging fruit until only the pillar of Bitcoin remains and the bodies 
of the idiots will be strewn amongst its feet. I'm sorry, but when I hear about shit like eToro delisting crap like Charles Hoskinson's shitcoin Cardano, it puts a smile on my face and I am not at all, not at all saddened by it. Thank you. Lancium raises $150 million to build Bitcoin miners running off renewable energy. No, I messed that up. Bitcoin mines. So the miners are not going to be running off renewable. Never mind. God, I'm screwing this up. Give me a break. It's the day before Thanksgiving, man. Come on, man. You know, I got, I got like a shit ton of cooking to do. Uh, Lancium. Oh, by the way, this is Nomsios writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Lancium, a tech company focused on Bitcoin mining, has raised $150 million to expand its renewable energy-run business across Texas. CNBC reported the Houston-based firm developed software and technology to frictionlessly regulate Bitcoin mining operations uptime based on energy prices and grid load. A common issue with renewable energy farms, demand and supply imbalances provoke price volatility and inconsistent uptimes. Lancium works to enable Bitcoin miners to effortlessly plug and unplug their rigs according to energy supply dynamics on the grid while ensuring grid customers can be provided with cheap and sustained power. West Texas enjoys abundant solar and wind power. However, such types of energy are typically unreliable. They spelled unreliable intermittent here, and it's not intermittent, it's unreliable. Rising demand on a renewable energy grid would provoke an issue as the grid supply would be restricted and unable to meet the demands. This imbalance could be solved by increasing the supply through alternative energy sources, Ah, good Lord. Uh, Like natural gas. Sorry, like a pop-up blocked my view right there. However, mining offers an alternative. Quote, Lancium sites act like large power stations, but in reverse. The mines absorb abundant renewable energy at times when supply outpaces demand, thereby monetizing these assets when there are no other buyers. On the flip side, the mines will incrementally incrementally ramp down their energy intake as demand on the grid rises, In quote. Lancium's technology allows for the energy demand to be dialed up and down depending on the grid supply and demand dynamics at any given moment. The company partnered with the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, otherwise known as ERCOT, a nonprofit organization that operates Texas's grids and pays miners to power down. Quote, imagine how much you would have to pay Amazon to say, hey, uh, there's too much demand for power. Please power down your data center. Brandon Avargi from Meow told CNBC, quote, but it can do that with Bitcoin very easily because all you have to do is pay the miners slightly more than what they would have been made uh, made mining for Bitcoin that hour, end quote. According to the report, Lancium plans to launch over 2,000 megawatts of power capacity in Bitcoin mines built across Texas in 2022 with the $150 million raised. The funding round was led by Hanwa Solutions, a clean energy company, and other companies in the same industry. All right, so Texas again, again is leading the way. And I, I mean, is... You know, the question that that is on people's mind is what's going to happen this winter with the ERCOT grid. But now we've got the added bonus of a whole shit ton of Bitcoin miners that are operating. It's going to be interesting. Whichever way it goes, it's going to be interesting. I do hope nobody dies, but I don't think it's going to be because of Bitcoin mining. And here's why. You're allowed to use the electricity that you buy from your energy producer for whatever the fuck it is you want. 
That's just the long and the short of it. Whether you're a, whether you're a residential customer, a commercial customer, or an industrial customer, you're allowed to buy that electricity as you see fit, use it as you see fit, and pay whatever it is that you can pay for it by negotiating your prices down. And that only comes basically at the industrial level. Commercial and retail or uh, <clears throat> residential guys are kind of left out in the wind to twist. But be that as it may, the Farmer's Almanac is producing is predicting yet another really terrible winter for Texas and across the United States at large. So we may see the exact same thing happen this year that we saw happen last year. But like I said, this time is different. Why? There's a shit ton more power consumption going on because of Bitcoin mining. I don't think that that's bad. I do think that we have to watch it. But I also think that these types of technologies that Lanceum are, are getting their hands into is going to be critical for that kind of shit. Being able to act as a, as a dynamic sink for unused energy and then reversing that to basically say we're, we're shut down and we're just, the, the electricity is gonna flow to those who need it, you know, those who need to warm their houses and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a big fan of dynamic sinks and, you know, well, production and sinks. Um, and as, you know, people that are always concerned with AI and stuff like that, I think that this is the kind of shit where AI really does work. As long as, as long as you got some kind of controls on the AI that the AI just can't shut it down because, I don't know, humans are bad or something like that, then I'm good with it. As long as it re as that's that that kill switch on AI really does work, but I don't think that that's really gonna you know be something that is gonna be you know I, that I need to worry about in the next few years. I think these kind of sensors and the ability for a you know a cluster of computers to be able to put it together in their mind and say you know what I think we just need to shut this shit down and let the electricity flow. I still think that this is a good road to follow. It needs to be done correctly. It needs to be done morally and it needs to be done ethically, but it's a good road to follow because we could really become very, very efficient at all this shit really quick. If people would just back off and stop calling us earth killers or whatever it is. Speaking of that, speaking of that, Europe must ban Bitcoin mining to hit the 1.5 degree C Paris climate goal says Swedish regulators. And this is from Euronews.com. Uh, Tom Bateman, by the way, is writing this thing. Faced with a sharp rise in energy consumption, Swedish authorities are calling on the European Union to ban Bitcoin mining. Actually, they're saying crypto mining, but let's get real. Eric Thieden, director of the Swedish Financial Supervisory Authority, and Bjorn Riesinger, director of the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency, said cryptocurrencies' rising energy usage is threatening Sweden's ability to meet its obligations under the Paris Climate Agreement. Ooh, I don't know. Tell Paris to go fuck straight off. You, you could try that. Between April and August this year, the energy consumption of Bitcoin mining in the Nordic country rose several hundred percent and now consumes the equivalent electricity of 200,000 households Thieden and Reisinger said in an open letter, the directors of Sweden's top financial and environmental regulators called for an EU wide ban on proof of work cryptocurrency mining for Sweden to halt the establishment of new crypto mining operations and for companies that trade and invest in crypto assets to be prohibited 
from describing their business activities as environmentally sustainable. The key issue driving the Swedish regulators intervention is the proof of work system used to mint many cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and Ether, the world's two two largest tokens. Under the proof of work system, computers must solve mathematical puzzles in order to validate transactions that occur on a given network. The process is designed to become more difficult as the number of blocks of validated transactions in the chain increases, meaning more compute power and therefore energy is required. This leads to an arms race among miners who compete to be the first to validate a new block and claim the prize of a new crypto coin. The more powerful your hardware, the more likely you are to get the coin. In recent months, the Nordic countries have seen a rise in crypto mining as producers attracted by lower energy prices and a relative abundance of renewable electricity flee China's crackdown on the industry. The growth of crypto mining brings with it an opportunity cost. Thieden and Ringer said, as Sweden's renewable energy is diverted away from industrial, transport, and domestic uses and into Bitcoin and other tokens. Quote, it is currently possible to drive a mid-size electric car 1.8 million kilometers using the same energy it takes to mine one single Bitcoin. (laughs) It's such bullshit. Quote, this is the equivalent of 40 laps around the globe. 900 Bitcoins are mined every day. This is not a reasonable use of our renewable energy. Can you see how how poorly they're getting this wrong? Or conversely, that they're doing this shit on purpose, that they know full well what they are is full of shit, but they're saying it anyway because it's a much better story to tell than the truth. And the truth is, all of this is a lie. All of this is a lie. If you need confirmation, go read Nick Carter's pieces on Bitcoin energy usage, and then you'll find out why the statement Uh, It is currently possible to drive a mid-size electric car 1.8 million kilometers using the same energy it takes to mine one single Bitcoin is a flat lie. Understand that. Euronews Next has contacted the Swedish, Norwegian, and Icelandic environment ministries and the European Commission to ask whether or not they support the call to ban proof-of-work mining. And here's what I say to that. Do it. Please. For the love of God. I hope that European Union bans Bitcoin. I really do. I really do because in the in the depths of fucking winter, when they're freezing to death anyway, because they've destroyed all of their functional pipelines of natural gas into the country, save one, and guess who sits on the keys on that little motherfucker? Putin. Yes, because you've acted so blatantly ignorant because you're unconcerned for the peoples of your country, because of the the bullshit of flying massive amounts of tonnage over to Glasgow, Ireland, so that you could go pontificate and gladhand all the assholes that have more money than you'll ever have, and all the carbon that you burned, oh, all the carbon that you put into the into the atmosphere, oh my God, because of your willful ignorance, your willful subjugation of your people. I hope you fucking freeze. I hope Putin turns the key. I hope he turns the pipeline off. And when you come crawling on your hands and knees to the rest of the world, maybe then you'll ask yourself if what you have been doing 
in your countries to your people was the best use of your time, your limited time here on earth? Yeah, I hope that answer becomes very clear that you fucked this all up. Screw you. You're going to have fun staying poor. And all you're going to end up with is a CBDC that is no better than the system that you already have. And the system that you already have is meant to do one thing and one thing only. And that is to enslave people that you think are beneath you. Fuck you. Freeze to death for all I care. The parallels between Bitcoin's principles and how to be idle. Let's save that one until later because that's a little bit longer and I might not get to it today. But let's do a fun one. Pokemon Go creator Niantic Labs and Fold launch Bitcoin hunting AR game. Yes, I know you're probably screaming. Fold got into a lot of trouble announcing something with the word meta in it yesterday. I think this is this is what it is. Let's find out from Jason Nelson out of Decrypt.co. Not content with gamers capturing digital monsters, Ninantic Labs, <clears throat> the company behind Pokemon Go, is taking things to a new level, enabling Fold app users to catch Bitcoin rewards. Niantic Labs has partnered with Fold, the company behind the Bitcoin Rewards app of the same name, to launch Fold AR, an augmented reality experience on the Fold mobile app. Instead of hunting for rare creatures, Fold app users will find and collect Bitcoin and other prizes by exploring the world around them. Niantic previously released an AR app called Reality Blending for the smash hit Pokemon Go. The game's players use their mobile phone's cameras to project images of Pokemon into a real-world environment. Fold CEO Will Reeves said Fold users will have a similar experience, but instead find different kinds of Bitcoin rewards instead of monsters. Quote, initially you can earn sats, but you can also earn spins, which allows you to earn even more Bitcoin via the Fold app, Reeves told Decrypt in an email. Based on a demo video shared by Fold, these rewards will appear on screen as 3D coins and other items, which users will find and collect by exploring their own environments. And down the line, you'll be able to find actual collectibles in the full AR experience that endow holders <clears throat> with special privileges, oh God, increased earning opportunities and benefits as well, such as permanent increases in rewards. Launched in October of 2019, Atlanta, Georgia-based Fold says its current user base is over one quarter of a million as of 2021. Quote, nearly half a billion has been transacted via Fold in spend and deposits since launch, Reeves told Decrypt. Reeves says the initial rollout of Fold AR on November the 23rd will allow a small number of users to access the beta experience for a limited time each day. Access will increase from November the 23rd onwards. He went on to say that Fold Visa debit card holders will be able to collect special rewards and perks like extra spins on the Fold app daily spin wheel that lets users earn higher bonuses and chances at earning higher prizes. Quote, Fold cardholders will be able to collect spins within the experience, which gives users more chances to earn higher rewards. And after every purchase you make on Fold, users get to spin for an additional prize on top of their 1% base ratio, Reeves said. Launched in 2010 as a Google startup, Niantic Labs says it began with the idea of leveraging mobile devices and maps 
to create a new form of gameplay that would combine exploration with exercise and real-world social interaction. In 2016, Niantic launched Pokemon Go, which surpassed $5 billion from players in-app spending since its release. As of July 2021, Niantic's Pokemon Go has been downloaded 362 million times, according to the data analytics site SensorTower.com. Fold likely hopes it will be able to replicate that same type of success with Niantic's help. If it catches on, the next time you see people walking around staring at their phones, they may be hunting for Bitcoin. So what do I think about it? Well, it's good for Bitcoin. That's what I'm always going to say about it. Everything is good for Bitcoin. Everything. <clears throat> now, Will Reeves and the Fold App guys are going to get no end of shit for this because it's entering into the metaverse. And I'm pretty sure that this is what I, when the, I saw the announcement from Fold App or Will, uh, it was either from Fold or Will Reeves yesterday. It said Meta and man, they got hammered. Oh my God, they got hammered in the, in the replies to that particular tweet. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I'm sorry, I don't. Maybe I should, but I just don't give a shit. Why? Because it doesn't hurt Bitcoin. Could it help Bitcoin? I don't know. It could help Bitcoin. Does Bitcoin need its help? No, not really. Then why should I give a shit what Will Reeves and Foldapp does? Maybe it'll be fun. I don't know. Am I going to do it? Probably not. I'll try it out just to see what the hell happens. But you cannot at all disregard the fact that it very well may help adoption. I, you, you can't say that it won't because you don't know. I can't say that it will because I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But you're not going to stop any of this shit from occurring on Bitcoin. Why? Because you can't stop Bitcoin. If you could, Bitcoin fails. And that's one of the reasons why I don't mind Will Reeves and the guys over at FoldApp partnering with Niantic to do some kind of augmented reality on a Bitcoin you know, treasure hunt. I don't give a shit. Bitcoin doesn't care. Bitcoin doesn't even know. I wouldn't know if I didn't read the, if I hadn't read the damn news story. And now, you know, I'm just saying for the guys that are given the people over at, at fold shit, you know, stop unless they do the following. If they announce rewards for Ethereum, well, feel free to ditch them or throw them, chuck them right off a cliff. I, because at that point I, I will literally know their hearts. I'm sick and tired of people trying to tell me that Ethereum is, is, is okay. No, it is not. With the 70 million you know, coin pre-mine, with the fact that they're just able to, to pick and choose who they, who they can train to be you know, Ethereum developers because they're fucking Iranian. No, I don't have nothing to do with shit coins ever again. It's, it's, it's all crap. It's all a distraction. And all it does is, is detract from where we really do need to go. Why? Well, because apparently right after the human species fell out of the tree and immediately started laundering money, like we're apparently doing, half of us decided to be willful assholes, greedy sons of bitches who literally knew, lose no sleep walking all over each other for a fucking dime. And that's how you got shit coins. Let us run to this one. U.S. regulators clarify banks' cryptocurrencies' permissions. Oh, Scott Cipollina is going to tell us about it from Decrypt. Maybe he'll uh, cry a little bit about the environmental destruction Bitcoin does while he's at it. 
The Office of the Comptroller of the Currency today published a letter instructing banks and federal savings associations that they must demonstrate adequate controls prior to engaging in crypto-related activities. Quote, today's letter reaffirms the primacy of safety and soundness. Providing this clarity will help ensure that these cryptocurrency distributed ledger and stablecoin activities will be conducted by national banks and federal savings association in a safe and sound manner, said Michael Sue, acting a comptroller. Quote, because many of these technologies and products present novel risks, banks must be able to demonstrate that they have appropriate risk management systems and controls in place to conduct them safely. The letter provides a degree of regulatory clarity for banks and federal savings associations insofar as they can refer to their relevant supervisory office to provide notice that they intend to carry out such crypto-related activities. In turn, the proposed activity can then be reviewed and potentially permission to carry out uh, said activities will be granted. The OCC's letter strikes a similar tone to that of international regulators who have assessed the crypto industry as it pertains to banking. IOSCO securities regulators and the Bank of International Settlements recently said in a report that stablecoins must be subject to the same rules as traditional payments. Quote, this report marks significant progress in understanding the implications of stablecoin arrangements for the financial systems and providing clear and practical guidance on the standards they need to maintain its integrity, IOSCO Chair Ashley Adler said in a statement. The Bank for International Settlements also said this year that banks must set aside sufficient capital to cover any losses they may suffer over any crypto asset holding. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. It's the day before Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Good time for a joke. I got my COVID test today. It says 50. What does that mean? Also, my IQ test came back positive. Yuppers, that was a good one. All right. Tomorrow I will not be doing a show because, well, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I got to at least, you know, have some, you know, time with my, my family. Um, also, and there's a lot of cooking involved. Speaking of cooking, my wife and I, I helped my wife cook pretty much for four straight hours yesterday. We're going to be doing the exact same thing today. And then tomorrow is going to be a, a cook fest as well before uh, our guests arrive. And what am I not going to do? You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to talk about Bitcoin. You know why? I just, I, I'm just... I'm not going to, I'm not, okay? This is why I don't have tattoos and pier, pierced ears. I literally have no marks on my body. I have no tattoos. Amazingly enough, I've gotten, I've gotten this far in life without a single tattoo or any kind of body piercing whatsoever. And I grew up in the 80s, dude. You'd at least think that I would have ended up with a freaking earring or something like that because that's what all the cool kids were doing. Nope, I did not. You know why? I wanted to be different. Isn't that amazing how the fact that I have no tattoos, I have no piercings, I have nothing going on with my body except the skin that God gave me, and somehow or another, because so many other people have done it, I'm actually the different one. So, in keeping with that, since so many people are going to be trying to orange pill their families and friends on Thanksgiving, I am not. I'm going to take the day off from Bitcoin. You should too. I'll see you on the other side.
This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.